The Pac-12 Conference has a major new rule surrounding its football championship game, and it's starting in 2022. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked on Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or first view every day, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. This is your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions every single weekday. And boy, do I have a juicy piece of news for you here today. Some of you might have seen this out in the ether already, but boy, is it worth breaking down. The Pac-12 has announced, with unanimous support, from all the athletic directors and the coaches, quote, the two teams with the highest conference winning percentage will face off in the championship game. This, of course, regarding to the uh, the football season. It will begin in 2022. Now, what this essentially means, the you know, one sentence, quick summary headline, divisions don't matter anymore. Doesn't matter. You win the Pac-12 North, you win the Pac-12 South. Does not matter. Now, it's probably indicative you had a pretty good season and you're going to likely be in the Pac-12 championship game, but it is no longer a guarantee as it has been for the entirety of the conference's existence. So uh, of the 11 Pac-12 championship games they would have had, I'll get to this in, in just a moment, five of them would have changed and I'll tell you why. But so what uh, what, what this means is that divisions are they are staying in place for now but that's being reviewed, right? They, they don't matter. But the reason that they're staying in place is, I think, because of scheduling, because the way that it that it works is you play everybody in your division, right? And then you rotate the teams that you don't play to from the other division each year. So they now have to figure out, you know, with this new format, if they are going to ultimately get away Get, or get rid of divisions, which they should, because there's no point in keeping them around anymore. I mean, if they don't, if it doesn't mean anything to win your division, then why do you have it? The scheduling component, I, I get it, but if it's all the same conference, then I, I think you should be able to figure that out and, and you know come up with a way to put a schedule together that accomplishes the same things that the previous one did without having to have the differentiator between like, Oh, this is the PAC 12 North and you play these teams every year. And this is the PAC 12 South and you play these teams every year. That's one thing that could change in in the coming seasons. If they do eventually go, go in the direction of not having the divisions anymore is teams like Washington could suddenly miss Oregon in a year or USC could miss Utah or UCLA could miss Arizona state. Whereas before that was impossible. They played every year because they were in the same division, but now that that's hypothetically possible. We don't have the new guidelines or any inclination about what's going to happen with all that sort of stuff, but that is a a possibility at this point in time. And, And by the way, when, while we still have the divisions, but they don't actually mean anything, a quick word of warning, just to get out in front of this, Please, every Pac-12 school out there, any conference commissioner, athletics department, coach, player, send it up the chain. Now that divisions do not actually matter, please do not put a banner in your stadium or make any indication of we won the Pac-12 North 
if you're not going to the conference championship game. Just that's it. That's all I'm asking for. Let's just save ourselves the humility potentially of someone winning, let's say the Pac-12 North. You know, maybe Oregon does at uh, nine and three, and they're seven and or seven and two or whatever in conference play. But USC and Utah go eight and one to meet in the conference championship game. Please, Oregon or whoever would win the North, don't put up a you know social media post or a banner or anything of the sorts about won the Pac-12 North. Doesn't matter anymore. Divisions irrelevant, which is kind of funny because I was talking not that long ago right here on the show with Carter Baines about how how the Pac-12 North could <laughs> could look this year. And uh, I think we'll have to have him on next week so that we can uh, kind of amend our, our discussion a little bit. So I think the divisions are staying right now because of scheduling, but they're, they're looking at how to potentially get rid of them going forward and just you know, be able to exist in a conference that doesn't have divisions, something that I am a fan of. And when you look at the Pac-12, uh, up, up until this point, there have been 11 Pac-12 championship games. To understand the ramifications of this rule and, and why it's not only good, but also in, impactful, here's a great stat. Here is a really good stat. Of the 11 Pac-12 championship games that uh, the football uh, or that Pac-12 football has had, since its inception back in, was it, 2011, five of them, five of the 11 would have been different. Here are the five. In 2011, you would have had number nine Oregon against number four Stanford instead of a six and six UCLA team that, team that came out of a dud in the Pac-12 South. That was when USC was on probation, I believe, and wasn't eligible for postseason play. In 2012, you would have had number five Oregon against number eight Stanford instead of Stanford against number 16 UCLA. That would have been a great rematch after a thrilling game up in Austin back then in 2012 when Stanford upset the then second-ranked Ducks in overtime. In 2015, you would have had Stanford ranked seventh against Oregon ranked 16th instead of against 20th-ranked USC. Now, that one you know wouldn't have raised the profile of the game that much though Oregon Stanford at the time was, was a, a bigger rivalry in that in that era than than USC was because they had fallen down a little bit but we're starting to get back up won a Rose Bowl and then went back down now they got Lincoln Riley going back up 2018 you would have had number 11 Washington against 13th ranked Washington State I think that is now they ended up playing uh, you know 17th ranked Utah and, and ultimately winning the game. I just, man, can you imagine? Can you imagine an Apple Cup rematch in the Pac-12 championship game? That's the sort of stuff that makes me excited about this rule. The potential of having the replays of games that happened during the season that were really good between two teams that are bitter rivals that, that are having good seasons, one derailed the other and the chance for revenge. I mean, you know, that Mike Leach team against Chris Peterson at Washington, sign me up for that. No disrespect to Utah. They have been a wonderful addition to the Pac-12 conference and have been a really good program. Really, really good. Definitely more so than, than Colorado at this point in time. But I tell you what, number 11, Washington, number 13, Washington State. You don't think that gets a little bit more interest than, than a Washington-Utah game? Uh, 2020 is the other one that would have changed. I don't care about that season at all. I just it, disregard. But anyway, so five of the 11 would have been different. And, and that is, 
that that's huge. That's absolutely massive. And this is a really good look for the conference under their new commissioner. I'll tell you why after I tell you that I love brownies. Yeah, that's not the extent of the ad read, but I, I thought I'd just start there and draw you in because we all love brownies, right? Except for my brother. He's a little picky. But you don't know what you know what we all love more than brownies? Brownie batter. Sometimes, like everybody, I eat half the batter and you know, you're making brownies, you go, boy, I don't have as much because I just want to eat the batter. Imagine if you dipped your finger into the batter or licked the spatula and then you got some protein in there. Well, guess what? That's what Built has with their newest creation, and this one is better than ever. The brownie batter puff. You heard me right. It's a brownie batter flavored marshmallow protein infused puff. Everything that I just put in there, potentially in the wrong order, it is heavenly. Puffs are amazing. The first ever protein infused marshmallow, and you can get the brownie batter flavor right now on built.com. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order. That is promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. This is a big move for George Klyovkov as uh, the new commissioner of the Pac-12 conference. And uh, look, I, I'm glad as a whole that Larry Scott is no longer there. I don't need to go into every misstep that he made, but there were several and, and the conference started moving in the wrong direction. That wasn't entirely his fault because he can't control what coaches are being hired or not hired, right? Like Colorado was really good. And then they had Mel Tucker and then they decided I know McIntyre was the one who got him to uh, the Pac-12 championship game. They're, they're the team that would have been in, in in 2020, by the way. But anywho, um, they could have had Mel Tucker. Eh, they didn't want to pay him the money. Instead, they have Carl Durrell. Could be good, right? Ha- had a good shortened season, but four and eight a year ago. And Buffs had a bunch of players transfer this past year. And the program just kind of feels like, like it's trending down. And he can't control, Larry Scott, that is, that USC decided to hire Clay Helton and then extend Clay Helton, keep him around longer than he should have been around. Like He can't do anything about that. Uh, he, he was in charge, by the way, for all the, the crap that Larry Scott has taken over the years. I think a lot of it is, is pretty fair. He was in charge when the move to Vegas was announced, and that was unquestionably a win. That, that was a big-time win uh, for, for the Pac-12, but... The caveat there is that the game is on a Friday and all the other major conferences play on Saturday. Just it's just just one of those things that I, I think we all kind of have the same opinion of Larry Scott is it, it was time to move on. But this is a huge first first major move for George Klyovkov. You know, I'm sure there have been other things that uh, some of you might know about that maybe even I haven't heard. But when you're talking about conference wide ramifications and changing the landscape of the Pac-12 for the better, I think that this is going to be the the first big step that Klyovkov has made to to try and improve the overall Pac-12 football conference product. And, and fans of every team, by the way, should be behind this because when the conference is better, your team has a better chance of being better because there's this thing called revenue sharing. And if the conference brings in more money, then the schools are going to get more money. They can put that in facilities and recruiting and coaches' salaries and all of that sort of stuff so the reason you know that the SEC is really good, they have Alabama, but they have a bunch of other good teams as well. But if Alabama were not in the SEC, it would be harder for some of the lower end schools, say for like Ole Miss, to not just a you know have resume building wins, 
on their schedule, but B, they wouldn't have as much money because Alabama brings a lot of money when they go to the college football playoff and then that gets distributed back to the schools. It's a very, very good thing as a conference, and that's why they make such a big deal out about it when a team makes a deep run in March Madness or wins a national championship or like all this sort of stuff is it all ties together. So I, I find it to be a really encouraging sign that, that this is going to happen. And I think that every Pac-12 fan, no matter who your preferred team is, and I'm glad you're listening to, to this show because we're talking about all of them in the Conference of Champions here on Locked On Pac-12. But I think that you should feel that this is a, a step in the right direction. It's going to you know radically change things in, in the next year or two. Like not in an isolated sense, no. But did I see this and go, oh, this is a really good move. This is a smart idea. Because the idea of having divisions and getting rewarded for playing in a crappy division or being six and six in a year when USC is not eligible for postseason, it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And think about like think about that 2011 season, right? USC couldn't play, so it was six and six UCLA. They went up to Autzen Stadium and they got thrashed by the Ducks. It was not a very competitive game. Is that the best look for the conference? Is that the best look for the Pac-12 that your championship game is not close and features a team that is barely even bowl eligible? The answer, of course, is no. What would have been better instead is a rematch between the two premier brands in the conference at the time, Oregon and Stanford. And I'm just not counting USC right there because they weren't eligible for postseason play. But those were your top two teams. You want them to play. You want to put them on the field and let them slug it out have a good game, have a really exciting affair, and have recruits watch and go, boy, that looks awesome. I want to go be a part of that, right? And, and that's why I love the move to Vegas so much. Looks better on TV than Levi Stadium does, and it's going to have more of a crowd than what you had in Levi Stadium. That, that sort of stuff all ties in to, to creating success on a conference-wide level, right? Watch the SEC. Watch the Big 12 championship game, the Big 10 championship game. Was it ever half empty the way that Levi Stadium was? No, but look at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas this year. That is a much better look for the conference. I just think that this is a really good move from Klyovkov. I'm glad they were willing to make the move. And by the way, this isn't a move that was just made. It was initiated by the Pac-12. So to me, I've got a lot of respect for Klyovkov here, and I believe I'm pronouncing his name correctly there. I apologize if, if I am not. But... It was not just a move that was made, but it was the Pac-12 that brought this entire motion before the NCAA to get rid of the regulation that was disallowing conferences to determine how to factor in divisions when it comes to setting their conference championship game. So this is something that they clearly came in and said, I think we'd be better off if we went in this direction. And guess what? Every coach and every athletic director in the Pac-12 agrees. And this show host agrees as well that this is the right way to go. You want to be able to put your best product on the field for your conference championship game, right? If you're the commissioner of the Pac-12 or the Big Ten or ACC or wherever, you want to have your best two teams on the field. And you don't always get that, right? Because look at the Big Ten, for instance. The Big Ten, I forget which side it is, but one of them has Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Michigan. And the other one has like Wisconsin and Minnesota, that side of the bracket almost never wins. And so why is it the, in the best interest of the conference or of the teams that are in it, quite frankly, to have an inferior opponent playing in the conference championship game when that team 
really shouldn't be there and isn't the second best team. If you have the second best season, then you should be rewarded by getting to the conference championship game. And that's why I'm a fan of this format and the Pac-12 switching over to it. I think it's a really smart move, and I think that everybody should do it. I don't think divisions make any sense whatsoever, right? I think in a long season like baseball or basketball, okay, I, I get it. But even basketball in the NBA, it, it, most the fans of most teams probably can't even name who's in their division because it's just all about conference standings, right? Whereas in baseball, it's a little bit more impactful because winning your division versus getting the wild card, like that sort of stuff makes sense. But I think when you're looking at college football and the overall landscape of it and the championship games, you want to have the best teams on the field. And you know what? As an overall college football fan, that's what I want to see. I would love to see Ohio State and Michigan in a Big Ten championship game. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. If Oregon takes a step back this year and is not the sort of team that, you know, I think a lot of Duck fans are expecting them them to be in the North, say they don't win nine or 10 games, say they have a rough year and they only win seven or eight. And then there's nobody with more than like eight wins in the Pac-12 North because it's weaker than the South. Well, if USC wins nine or 10 and Utah wins 10 or 11, I wouldn't want to see Oregon go up against Utah. Or I wouldn't want to see an eight-win Washington State team go up against USC at, at nine and three or ten and two. I'd want to see Utah and USC battle out if they're in that situation because that's how you produce someone who you know really feels le- like a champion, right? I mean, that's what we're going for here. You want teams to be battle tested because if they're going to, if the Pac-12 is going to get back to the playoff, you don't want to have to you know kind of finagle your way in or, or get in on not a, a technicality is not the right word, but you, you want them to have somewhat of a tough path or else they're not going to be ready by the time that they get to that game. Uh, I, I've got one more thought on this. I'll tell you after I remind you, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, go Mariners, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. <sighs> Sorry, I had to catch my breath there. I was on quite a rat. I'm just, I'm fired up. I, I really, really like this. I am, I am a huge, huge fan. I'm glad Klyovkov was able to, to pull the trigger and make the motion. But the other reason that I really like this for the Pac-12 is the, the attention that you bring to the game, right? I was talking about that a little bit earlier, but what's going to bring more the most attention to the game is getting your biggest brands there. And the way that you do that is by giving everyone the same chance. And I think the the other component of this, which I just thought of that I that I like potentially on the scheduling side, is depending on how they go about it, you could set it up so that Oregon and USC and Utah play each other almost every year. Whereas in the Pac-12 South, Oregon and USC are not playing this year. Those are two of your biggest brands, right? If you're looking for, you know, a way to grow the the recognition and, and the national prominence of your conference, you want to have your best teams playing. If you're going to get game day to come to the Pac-12, which they only did once, they did once a season ago, and it was for Oregon and an unranked UCLA team that you know could have been ranked. They were five and two at the time. And uh, they'd lost to Fresno State, but they'd beaten LSU early in the year. That's the only time they got over there. If you were able to set it up in a way where you have the best teams playing each other on a yearly basis 
And a college football scheduling needs to be completely reworked in, in general. I just, this whole, you know, this team and this team have a 2021 or a 2031 and a 2032 home and home. Great. Who knows what they're going to be at that point in time? You have absolutely no idea. That's a completely different conversation, but I think it opens the door for some exciting scheduling opportunities to be able to get those marquee games between the best teams and the best programs in the conference going head-to-head with one another, and that'll help uh, the conference in, in terms of recognition, just having big-time games that people care about. So all good news here. I am glad that the Pac-12 has made this decision, and I I think that the Pac-12 fans from from Pullman all the way down to Tucson, out east to to Boulder, are going to like this move. Let's wrap up today's show uh, talking about the big commitment in the transfer portal, which uh, normally would lead my show when USC gets the Blitnikoff winner from the 2021 season in Jordan Addison after it looked like he was maybe going to go to Texas and that they were squarely in the mix. He also considered Alabama and Oregon, but never took an official visit there. It was Texas and USC, and he ultimately chooses Lincoln Riley and the Trojans who get yet another weapon there. Normally that would uh, lead my show, but when you've got some, uh, some pretty significant news like the rule I've been talking about today, and in changing how how to get to the conference championship game, I think that uh, just it just takes a slight priority there. But Jordan Addison ultimately has committed to to USC. He was uh, given the Bletnikoff last year, given to the best wide receiver in the country. He had 100 recep- receptions for almost 1,600 yards, 17 touchdowns. He was playing with Kenny Pickett of Pitt, who was uh, apparently a first round quarterback. Look more like a third or fourth round quarterback to me, but uh, in a draft class that didn't have a lot of quarterbacks, he goes in the first of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is now going to go play with uh, checks notes. Oh yeah, that's right. Caleb Williams, who will be a first round quarterback and definitely looks a little bit more like one. And so he will join freshman All-American Mario Williams as uh, the top targets on the perimeter for Caleb Williams. And, you know, we've talked a lot on the show here uh, about the transfer portal and, and how much USC has been utilizing it. And this is just the latest example. I mean, I, I think there's a case to be made. And I'm, the, I'm not the only one who would argue this, that the top two players in terms of talent, regardless of position in the portal for the class of 2022, were Caleb Williams and, and Jordan Addison. And USC has been able to pick up both of them. And, and I think that you just look at the offense that Lincoln Riley is putting together. The offensive line is a question mark. Right. And that is I, I don't think you can really argue that offensive line. Bit of a question mark might make it tough to run the ball. But if they can just give him a little bit of time, boy, Caleb Williams has got some serious weapons and the defense. Again, a whole other conversation. I, I think Lincoln Riley right now has pretty clearly got the best seven V seven lineup in, in the conference. Right. Trenches remains to be seen. But if they can just be mildly competent, I, I mean, this is just this is elite as far as the Pac-12 conference goes. You got Caleb Williams, a quarterback, five-star recruit who was a stud a season ago when he came in for Spencer Rattler and is probably going to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. Running backs, you've got Travis Dye, who was Oregon's best offensive player in 2021. You've got Austin Jones, a really talented, well-rounded back who comes over from Stanford. How many holes they'll have to run through behind that offensive line? It remains to be seen, but those are talented, versatile guys who are also going to play a factor in the passing game. Then on the perimeter, you've got Mario Williams, you've got uh, Jordan Addison, you've got Terrell Bynum, the Washington transfer, and you've got Gary Bryant Jr., 
who is a breakout candidate for the Trojans this season. I don't know if you can find an array of offensive weapons at skill at the skill positions as good as the setup that Lincoln Riley and the Trojans are going to have here in his first season in Los Angeles in 2022. Now, I, I was looking at this because I was trying to figure out kind of who the tight ends would be. And you look at the stats from last year, USC didn't use their tight ends hardly at all. That has not been the case with Lincoln Riley's offenses in uh, in Oklahoma. You think about uh, guys like Mark Andrews, and there's another tight end whose name is uh, like Calcutta might be his name, something like that. But they've used the tight ends pretty extensively. And so I'll be interested to see which of these USC tight ends is really going to uh, to, to step up or if it, it changes from the perspective of just how often they're involved in the offense. I mean, you look and they just, you know, in the air raid last year, didn't didn't throw the ball to the tight ends a lot. It was mostly wide receivers, and they've got some elite pass catchers on the perimeter. But I wonder how much more that will be a, a part of their offense this year as Lincoln Riley takes over and gets to implement a system and call the plays. But uh, it's it, it's another big commitment for the Trojans. There, there's no doubt about that, and I think people are really really buying into to USC, and it's a place they want to go. And uh, Lincoln, you hire Lincoln Riley, they, yeah, that that tends to happen, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.